Welcome Inside the Vault. This is a collection of previously unreleased lessons from eight-figure entrepreneurial mastermind R. John Robbins. And in case you didn't see the warning label, this content can be explicit and it is for serious entrepreneurs only. Today, we're diving into part three of our four-part series taken from Arjun's 2022 live quarterly meeting in Phoenix. In this episode, Arjun shares the exact step-by-step sales call model he's used to sell over $100 million in professional services. You're not going to want to miss this one. Let's go to the vault. Working with Arjan is like having a shortcut to future you. Every time I can have an opportunity to spend time with Arjan, I try to take it and be a sponge. I thought everyone was crazy. You know, they were running to the front of the stage to see this person. Arjan's wearing his crazy shirt. You know, he drinks tiger blood in the morning just for fun, and he's like breathing down my throat. Sometimes it's terrifying to work with him. It's like he's looking into your soul, but it's, it's growth the whole way. I'm going to teach you how to sell. This is how you sell. I have sold probably close to $100 million in professional services doing this. I have taught and shared this with I don't know how many hundreds of people and altogether probably hundreds of millions of dollars more in professional services doing this. This will work for legal services. This will work for accounting services. This will work for bookkeeping services. This will work for real estate services. I see no reason why this wouldn't work for selling products as well. This will work because it just does. It's pretty obvious. Ready? All right. I'm going to go through this a few times. The first time I go through this, I want you to just put your pens down. Put your pens down. Put your phones down. If someone's looking at their email or something, pick up their computer and slam it shut. You're doing them a favor. Whatever's happening on that computer probably isn't going to double their income, but this will or could. All right. So the first time, I'm just going to walk you through it. All right. Then I'll explain it a second time, and then I'll diagram it all out for you. But you'll notice I'm basically just repeating the same thing again and again and again and again. You ready? Pens are all down. There's nothing in your notebook. Just feel your way through this, all right? You start with the... So just mechanical thing. First mechanical thing. When the person arrives to the sales conversation whether it's on a telephone or a Zoom or in person or via mental telepathy or whatever you're using, the first thing you want to do is confirm the time. When we originally scheduled this appointment, we booked it for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, 11 hours, whatever it is. Does that still work for you? The reason you want to know whether the amount of time you originally booked still works for the person is because what if they say it does not? What if you book the appointment for an hour and you say, does an hour still work for you? And they say, you know what? An hour does not work for me 
something has come up, what's the obvious question? What's come up? Yeah? Well, my house burned down this morning, and so I can't give you an hour of my undivided attention because I need to figure out where my family's going to sleep tonight. And let's suppose you sell real estate services or you sell family, uh, family, uh, family law services or you sell criminal defense services or you sell estate planning services or immigration services or intellectual property services or shoes or, or anything. When a person says, my house burned down this morning, if you are a useful person, the next thing out of your mouth ought to be what? How can I help, right? Well, let's not talk about your estate plan because obviously that's not the top priority for you. The top priority is what do we do about the fact that your house just burned down? You need to ask, is this still a good time to find out if something has come up that's now a higher priority for that prospect? Make sense? Yes? Okay. And if the prospect says, you know, uh, something's come up, and maybe it's not so as dramatic as the house burned down. Maybe it's like something came up, and I got to go pick up my kid from school, and I thought I wasn't going to have to, but I can give you 20 minutes right now. Can you fit a gallon into a container that's designed to hold a quart? No, you cannot. Can you have a proper hour-long sales conversation in 20 minutes? No, you cannot. Therefore, what you need to do is reschedule, right? Because you're not desperate. Something came up. You can no longer give me an hour of your undivided attention. No problem. Let's reschedule. I'm not desperate. I'm not going to rush this. I'm not going to set both of us up for failure in this conversation by trying to fit an hour-long conversation into 20 minutes. Okay. Um, Another reason why we need to confirm that we're going to have their undivided attention for an hour is because guess what's going to happen at about the 30-minute mark when we start transitioning into the close? They're suddenly going to have to go somewhere. They're going to start looking for the door. They're going to start getting really uncomfortable when we start getting down to the moment of truth, and which is why we want to do that at about the halfway mark. If your sales call is scheduled for 20 minutes, at what point do we start transitioning to the close? If the sales call is scheduled for an hour, at what point do we start transitioning to the close? If the sales call is scheduled for two minutes, at what point do we start transitioning to the close? 60 seconds, exactly. You get it? So you want to confirm the time so that when they start looking for the door, you know you've got their attention. You can say, hey, we, I thought you said we had an hour here. We've only been talking for 30 minutes. Why do you suddenly have to go? Now, another reason why you want to confirm the time is because have you ever had the experience of talking to a crazy asshole? Yeah? And you're like, I don't ever want to represent this person. Right? And about 20 minutes into the meeting, you're like looking for the door yourself. Right? So, 
Booking it for an, confirming the time gives you an out. So what do we want to do first thing? Confirm the time. Yeah? All right. Second thing we want to do. We want to make sure that the person is open and relaxed and feels safe. Because we're not talking about selling them ice cream cones. We're not talking about selling them puppy dogs and little kittens. We're talking about topics that are usually uncomfortable, sometimes embarrassing. Sometimes we're talking about some very, very sensitive subjects. Most of you are dealing with uncomfortable topics for a lot of people, right? Even though we all went to law school and we understand that, of course, obviously there's this thing called confidentiality, they did not and they do not understand that there's confidentiality. And even if they think there might be confidentiality, because after all, they watch Boston Legal, it puts their mind at ease when you confirm it for them. And you will literally see, and if you're on the phone, you will literally hear their breath change, the, the, the pace of breathing, and you'll see their body language change if you're in person. You'll, everything will change when you say everything will be kept strictly confidential. <sighs> They're just going to relax. Doesn't that make sense? Yes? It's just intuitive, yes? All right. Now we need to make the best use of our time together. So to make the best use of our time together, we want to ask permission to propose an agenda because there needs to be some kind of structure around this conversation so it doesn't go all over the place. This isn't a social conversation. We're not here just shooting the breeze. We're not just gossiping. We're, just not, we're not just like talking about whatever we feel like. We're here with a purpose. We're trying to be useful to this person and help them find clarity in a confusing, intimidating, scary situation that they're in. And to do that, we create structure, all right? So we propose an agenda. Should we propose an agenda or should we jam an agenda down their throat? Why should we propose an agenda? Why not just tell them what the agenda is? Why do we want to propose an agenda? I'm sorry, why do we want to ask permission to propose an agenda instead of just dictating an agenda and telling them this is what the agenda will be? Because you're not an asshole. That's the reason why. It's really simple. Imagine your spouse or significant other or your friend who comes and says, this is where we're going to dinner and this is what you're going to have. How's that going to go down? No one likes that. Stop. You see how you try to complicate this? This is why you're not taking notes. I just want you to use your common sense for a little while here. All right? So we say, hey, to make the best use of our time together, I'd like to propose an agenda. Would that be okay? And the person is either going to say, yes, that would be okay. I'm glad someone knows what the hell they're doing in this conversation. Or they're going to say, no, that would not be okay. And by the way, I want to give you a giant red flag that this is what it's going to be like to work with me as a client. <laughs> Most of the time, they're going to say, yes, of course, please propose an agenda. All right? And the basic agenda that I would generally like you to follow, and I want you to understand that I have sold, like I said, I mean, 
close to $100 million probably of professional services. And I literally can't remember a single time that a sales call has ever gone exactly the way I am now describing. This is called a model. (laughs) Do not confuse the map for the terrain. We're using this model so that when things start going off track, we've got a way to steer things back on track. And then when they go off track in the other direction, we got a way to steer them back on track. We're just using this as a way to steer things back on track. Do not get bent out of shape if it doesn't go exactly this way. It rarely, if ever, does. Okay? So I'd like to propose an agenda. The first thing I'd like to do is either A, tell you all about myself, or B, find out all about you. A, find out all about myself. B, when I was, uh, before I met Allie, I had a girlfriend and we went out for dinner. And I remember we went to this Italian restaurant and I was sitting here and my girlfriend was sitting here. I just realized I could have told the story with Allie and none of you would have known the difference. (laughs) Allie and I went out for dinner one night. (laughs) It's easier to tell the truth because then you don't have to make shit up. So, I was sitting here, my girlfriend was sitting here. To my girlfriend's back, there was a man. Facing the man was obviously a woman who was on a first date with this man. And all night long, my girlfriend and I listened to this man talk about himself. And all night long, I was making eye contact with this woman who was basically giving me the look of, please save me. It was very entertaining. (laughs) Anyway, so when it comes time to propose an agenda, we want to propose what first? I'm going to tell you all about me or I'm going to learn all about you? I want to, right. So the the first thing I'd like to propose is let me ask you some, let me ask you some questions so I can get a better understanding of, of what's going on with you and what's going on with your situation. And then, after I understand what's going on with you and your situation, I will share with you the parts of our firm that would be relevant to you. Because I could tell you a million things about our firm, but I don't want to waste your time telling you a bunch of stuff that's not relevant to you or your situation. After, and then, we'll see if we can help you find a solution. Do you know you can help them find a solution? How do you know you can help them find a solution? You don't know if you can help them find a solution. I've mistakenly made an appointment with your family law firm, and what I really need is to buy a pair of shoes. How I got through your piece of shit intake system is a different conversation. The point is, we don't know whether we can actually help them. And even if we do know we can help them, it's a little presumptuous to say you can if you don't know for sure. You follow what I'm saying? So based on what you share with me, we'll see if we can help you find a solution. Maybe we can, maybe we can't. I don't know since I know nothing about you. I know nothing about you. 
Yes, Holly, the problem is I've come to see you because aliens have beamed down from outer space and they have planted a bug in the mind of my wife who now thinks that she's from the planet Kutar and she wants to divorce me. I mean, are you understanding what I'm saying? I know you did, and we all know how it turned out. The point that I'm trying... <laughs> Please, you'll make a lot more money if you'll just say the words, we'll see if we can find a solution for you or not, rather than saying, and no matter what you say, we definitely will be able to find a solution for you. So you know what? Why don't we just skip all of that and give me your credit card now? Are you understanding why we want to propose that we might be able to find a solution for you? All right. And then you begin gathering information. You gather facts. How old are you? Are you in a relationship? Are you single? Do you have children? How old are your children? What do you do for a living? What is your education? Do you own a home? Do you rent a home? How much equity do you have in your home? What is your, uh, how many credit cards do you have? What is your, uh, do you own a car? Uh, what do you think the car is worth? You gather all of this information because, let me ask you a question. Are we talking about the same person facing a legal problem if we're talking about a 25-year-old man who's single with no children and a 50-year-old man who's married with three kids? They're two completely different situations, right? Now, the legal problem might be the same legal problem, but we're not selling legal services, are we? What are we selling? A better future, right? So the thing that the 25-year-old single guy with no kids is looking to buy a better future for himself is different than the future that the 50-year-old guy with three kids is looking to buy. So we have to understand who the client is. By the way, when you're working with your non-attorney salesperson and you're coaching them and you're managing them and they say, yeah, I wasn't able to make the sale. And you say, well, tell me about the client. And they start telling you about the case. And you say, well, how old are they? And they say, I don't know. And they say, well, are they married or single? And they say, I don't know. And they say, do they have children or not? And they say, I don't know. What you know is your dragon sucks, all right? So we have to find out where this person is coming from. Does this make sense? Okay. We have to understand who we're talking to. We're not going to judge them based on their skin color. We're not going to judge them based on the car they drove in. We're not going to judge them based on what they're wearing. We're not going to judge them based on their gender, we're not going to make a bunch of judgments based on appearances. We're going to actually take the time to find out about this unique individual and that person's life. Doesn't that seem like the right thing to do? All right. And then we're going to start asking information about what they do for a living, and we're going to start asking information about whether they own a home. We're going to start asking information about uh, how much they earn. We're going to start asking information about the relationship with their parents or their friends. You know, it depends on the practice area. But basically what we're doing here in the first 10 minutes of the sales conversation is we're gathering information that we're going to use when they say, I don't have the money. 
I'd love to hire you because you're so great. I just don't have the money. Well, would you be willing to let me help you find the money? Well, yes, I would love for you to help me find the money. Well, you've got equity in your house. You've got credit cards. You've got parents who, 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 who have professional careers. You've got a spouse. You've got friends. You've got a car. You've got all this stuff going on. I know where to find the money because I asked you about it back when you were willing to tell me. 30 minutes later, when it's time to make a decision and they say, I have no money, and you say, would you be willing to let me help you find the money, and they say yes, they're not going to answer any of these questions for you. Isn't that kind of obvious? So back in the beginning, we're gathering information. And then we find out, okay, so tell me about the facts of the case. What's going on? And they tell you about the facts of the case. It could be a family law matter. It could be an intellectual property matter. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It could be a good thing. But tell me about the situation. What's going on? And then you want to find out how is this affecting you? Because remember, people don't hire law firms to solve legal problems. People hire law firms to solve personal problems. The personal problem might be caused by a legal problem. The personal problem might be exacerbated by a legal problem. But ultimately, they're all hiring a law firm to solve a personal problem. Not one of you came here to solve a business problem. You all came here to solve a personal problem. The personal problem might be caused by your business problem. It might be exacerbated by your, per, by, your, by your business problem. But ultimately, you're here to solve a personal problem. What's the personal problem you're all here to solve? I'll give you a hint. How do I have a better future? Right? Even if the client is an executive at a business, and it's a business-to-business transaction, that executive is thinking to him or her or their self, how do I have a better future in my job and not get fired by making the wrong decision here? Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Tune in next week for more lessons from the vault.